Hello and welcome to Teaching English with the British Council Series 2. A podcast in which we try and provide solutions to some of the key questions being asked by English teachers around the world. Teaching English with the British Council. We are your hosts, we am Hamdan and Chris Salton. In each episode, we address one such question and attempt to answer it in two ways. Teaching English with the British Council. In the first part of each episode, we hear from a British Council project, programme or publication about something which is being done to address this issue. Across the 10 episodes of Series 2, we'll hear from teachers, trainers and researchers in a wide range of contexts, including Ukraine, Romania, Egypt and the United Kingdom. Teaching English with the British Council. In the second part, a leading English expert and practitioner will provide practical solutions which you can immediately try out wherever you work. Each episode of Teaching English is accompanied by a full transcript and show notes. These show notes provide additional information, a glossary of keywords, and links to relevant websites. Teaching English with the British Council This is Episode 7. How peer-led training and mentoring can support teacher development. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Teaching English with the British Council, in which we look at how peer-led training and mentoring can support teacher development. William, what's your interest and knowledge of this particular area? I worked on Teaching for Success program as a teacher training coordinator and in the groups we gathered, each group we had teachers with different experiences. Some of them worked for 15 years and some of them are Uh, novice teachers. So mentorship was great in terms of bringing together all the experiences and making teachers just more confident with what they have and more open to sharing these ideas with other teachers who might be more experienced and vice versa as well. Absolutely and I think you raise a really interesting point which is it can be beneficial to the experienced teacher as well as the less experienced teacher. I think sometimes when we talk about these things it's uh, it's seen as a sort of one-way street that it's the experienced trainers or teachers supporting the less experienced but actually it is very much a two-way process. Yes sometimes it's harder to work with experienced teachers but when experienced teachers see that new teachers are trying out new ideas and trying to cope with the changes and um, you know this age is different and these new teachers are bringing new ideas to the classroom I think the experienced teachers are more encouraged to try out new things exactly and in our interview this week we listen to Eve Equal Voices in ELT, and we welcome Chris, Charlotte, and Maria. Welcome to the podcast. First of all, can you please tell us about EVE or Equal Voices in ELT? Absolutely. I mean, EVE was set up initially to address gender equity issues in the context of international conferences because so many times when you look at the the poster or the, the banner for an international conference, there were four nice male faces staring at you and and it was set up initially to try to confront that and engage with that and now it's also become involved with the the native speaker non-native speaker balance because many of those four 
male faces looking at you were also male native speakers. So it's, it's about equity in English language teaching, specifically in, in conferences. The mentoring side works with teacher associations around the world. We reach agreements with teacher associations who, who have a, a body of members, some of whom female members would like to be able to speak, uh, if, if not at international conferences, at larger national or local conferences, and feel they need some support in terms of preparing their presentations, preparing their talk. Those are the mentees, and the mentors tend to be practitioners with a certain amount of experience from the world of English language teaching who've spoken many times themselves at conferences, and they provide online one-to-one mentoring, a series of meetings, rehearsals, and ultimately a uh, a very small sort of a mini conference, as it were, at the end for everybody to, to, to try a, a public delivery of what they've done. And before I stop talking, one other news flash is we are on the 27th of May hosting a conference, um, which will be open to the public, as it were, where we're going to ask, give the opportunity for our mentees uh, over the last two or three programs to deliver something that they're passionate about to a conference. And we will also have other invited speakers too. And and can I ask, Chris, why did you pivot to the mentoring side of things? We've always been aware of the gender balance and perhaps been speaking about it or blogging about it or putting stuff on Twitter about it, which is fine. It's awareness raising. But what I like about the mentoring is that she does something. It's actually saying, right, here's a problem. Let's engage with it. Let's identify eight or 10 potential speakers and let's work with them and support them so they can go to these conferences. Mentoring works. I think people come out the other end of the process thinking, I can do this. Yeah, and one of the important things when there's a relationship between a mentor and a mentee is a good rapport between the both of them. So what do you think makes a good mentor-mentee relationship? It seems to me that mentoring is really a conversation I mean, that sounds a little bit trite, but it it is an exchange. It's very different from training. This is an opportunity for two experienced professionals, and most of our mentees, I'm sure Charlotte would agree, are teachers with quite a lot of experience under their belt, but maybe they haven't gone into the conference direction for whatever reason. So it's two professionals exchanging ideas, frankly and openly. You have sometimes to have quite grown-up conversations with your mentee, but to allow those grown-up conversations to happen, there has to be that rapport, as Wayam says, there has to be that relationship. And I think complete openness at the beginning is very important. One of my mentees, she was very concerned about the level of her English. We had a grown-up conversation. I said, yeah, yeah, maybe EU English may not be at quite the level of other people's. That's fine. That doesn't mean you can't do a workshop or presentation, whatever she wanted to do at a conference. That's fine. So it's creating that that's safe space, I suppose. You know, to develop that relationship can be maybe slightly difficult because it's done 99% of the time online. Do you think sort of the impact of COVID and all the pivot and the shift to more digital forms of communication has helped Eve in promoting the, the mentoring programme? I think it probably has because Eve is about egalitarianism, it's about democracy, it's about access. And that's one gift, I suppose, we've had from COVID. In an odd way, it's almost easier to create a rapport online. I don't think it's a challenge, and I think it's actually made life a lot easier in some ways in terms of accessibility, and that's what Eve's about. It's about equal access and equal opportunity. Brilliant. And just one final question, sort of practical question, really. If uh, we have listeners from all different groups and organisations, how can they get involved in Eve? If they're a teacher association or an experienced a teacher or teacher trainer or a less experienced uh, person who wants to be mentored, what are the next steps that they can do? 
Well, if, if they're an existing teacher association, they can contact Eve through the website. If, you're, if, if a teacher wants to get involved as a mentee, they should go to the teacher association in their country, encourage them to contact us. If a practitioner wishes to become a mentor, we are delighted to have new mentors. It's a great process. And, and if you've got a, a little bit of spare time and it's really not massively time consuming and you've got a fairly good internet connection and you've got some experience as a conference presenter, we'd be delighted to hear from you. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Chris. Now maybe we can move on to, to Charlotte and Maria. So a, a mentor and a, and a mentee and find out, as it were, from the ground what it's like. My name is Maria. I've been teaching English as a foreign language for almost 20 years now. I currently work at the state secondary school and also I teach educational management to postgraduate students. Similar to, to Maria, actually, I've, I've been teaching English for about 20 years. I've worked in a private language academy. I've also taught secondary here in Spain and I've done a bit of teacher training. So I was thrilled to get involved with the mentoring scheme because although I presented at a local level and national level, I remember feeling absolutely petrified the first time I presented at IOTEFL. Can you tell us how long have you been working together as mentor and mentee and maybe a little bit about the process? Sure. I think we worked together over about a three-month period, but we worked quite intensively and we emailed quite a bit in addition to to meeting together. We met once a week on Zoom, besides the emails. Uh, of course, I worked on my presentation and uh, Charlotte was gradually checking how I progressed. She gave me useful advice how to improve the presentation process and that's how it functioned. So I guess quite a lot of it is what happens between the Zoom sessions. Well, absolutely, yes. She gave me clear instructions. I was allowed to select my own topic and she just gave me advice how to improve my presentation skills. I mean, it was very obvious to me when we started working together that Mario was incredibly expert in this particular area. Can I ask, Maria, why in the first place did you feel you wanted a mentor? What was it that sort of led you down that path? I have been teaching for a long time. Uh, I do attend conferences and sometimes I wish I could speak to those conferences. But what I lacked was courage <laughs> and confidence. And can I ask, Maria, how did it go on the day when you when you gave your presentation? Well, I definitely was proud of myself. <laughs> I did spend a lot of time preparing, which is very important for me in my case, because I felt very anxious, I have to admit. But I followed Charlotte's advice, and that's why, in the end, I felt really proud of myself. And can I ask you, Charlotte, how did you feel as you were watching Maria give her presentation? Well, I was very proud of her, but I wasn't in the least surprised because the first day I, I met her, I, you know, you could immediately see that this is a very experienced teacher who has a lot to share with her colleagues. And to me, the, uh, you know, the mentoring relationship, it felt very much like a successful peer collaboration. And we spent quite a lot of time chatting about just what was going on in our classrooms from my understanding, a lot of it can be, you know, transforming this passive knowledge maybe into a more practical knowledge or, you know, more hands-on knowledge. So how can we change this perception that the relationship is one way from mentor to mentee? I really don't think that it's a, a one-way relationship because all mentees are, are different. We have different needs. 
So I believe that every mentor also uh, learns something from each and every different mentee. For example, in my case, I've already told you that I really have some confidence issues when it comes to giving presentations. And um, I noticed at the very beginning that Charlotte did not expect that. Of course, eventually she helped me overcome that. I think what you've identified about wanting to feel more confident about presenting is is something that very many teachers will feel. And I think it's very useful to to have raised that. Something that also was apparent to me in our conversations, Maria, was a feeling that you're in a network which is supporting you and encouraging you. Because not all teachers have that in their local context. And I think that was a very important part of your preparation. And that's something that Eve absolutely offers, both in the individual mentor experience, but also as an organization, it's incredibly welcoming. In my local community, it's not very supportive when it comes to English language teachers sharing their knowledge and their skills. Mm -hmm. So becoming part of, um, of, of a group of people that to support each other, to share their knowledge and experience is really important, especially to me. Yeah. And also going back to Chris's point about accessibility and also, Chris, what you said about, you know, just the practicalities of making this work. I mean, very many teachers are women. They have families. They may have young children. They might also be caring for an elderly relative. So there were just like the practical points that early on that we had to identify a time of day when Maria could actually have some uninterrupted time to think about, focus on her presentation and how she wanted that to go. I was also going to ask, uh, are the words themselves slightly problematic of mentor and and mentee? In, In my mind, it's a slightly old fashioned terms because it does come with it that sort of power imbalance within those words which isn't evidence in the relationship between the two of you yes I mean I I I think there's definitely something in that and to me it, it felt very much more like you know working with a colleague before you met Charlotte did you have that idea of what a a mentor looked like or what what that would be and well, I was not expecting someone like Charlotte, I have to admit. Uh, I was expecting um, an EOT professional, strict, <laughs> I have to admit. I, I don't know, I'm really glad I met Charlotte because she's, she was really friendly and helpful and um, a real friend. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just a great pleasure working with Maria. So we spoke briefly about the importance of uh, rapport and Chris mentioned that it's more of a conversation. So in your opinion, what are some of the best ways for building this relationship between a mentor and a mentee? Well, I share Chris's thoughts. Um, I also believe that every solid communication is based on active listening um, and reasonable and, uh, and respectful responding. So if the mentor and the mentee are willing to listen to each other um, and they both engage devotedly to accomplish the mutual goal, I think that everything is going to be perfectly all right. One final question. I think, I think the answer is quite clear. Whether you'd recommend this programme to others. Absolutely, of course. <laughs> um, but I suppose more specifically is maybe what you would say, Charlotte, to people who are thinking of... Uh, potentially becoming mentors what you would say to them how would you encourage them and 
Maria, what you would say to people who are thinking about joining the program as a mentee, if they're slightly worried, if they're um, sort of slightly nervous about or apprehensive about doing that, what you would say to them? It's not a hugely onerous time commitment. So it's very, very doable even if you're working full time and it's a very, very enjoyable experience in a well-run and very supportive organisation. And yes, I, I would also definitely recommend this programme uh, to everyone uh, because from my experience, the EVE mentoring team is fully devoted to empowering people especially women, to make their voice be heard. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Chris, Charlotte and Maria. It's been fascinating to hear you today. I think mentor-mentee could also work as an approach for teacher training in, let's say, government schemes to train teachers. In my context, I've seen a lot of training happening from top to down. So if this becomes more like an approach for training, I think teachers can you know improve their capacities I I think there's a lot of opportunity for that I think one of the challenges is that so many government systems are still focused on that top-down initial teacher training and also continual teacher training is that relationship so I think schemes like the EVE scheme and the scheme which will uh, listen to in the field report are, are excellent but they are still quite on the fringes I think they're not mainstream at all so I'm not sure how we make those sorts of schemes more mainstream yeah and here they mentioned that the the idea started because of gender imbalance but here it's about females not getting their opportunity but also in lower context teaching jobs are doesn't pay very well so it's mostly male teachers not engaging in the teaching process more than female teachers. And I think it's important that we see this gender imbalance differently in different contexts. Yeah, I think it's I think the mentoring approach can really work with all people. But I think especially for people who are from more marginalized groups or who are perhaps not as engaged in what they are doing for a whole variety of different reasons. Often in, in many contexts around the world, teachers don't get time off for training. They don't get paid for training. They have to do it in their own time, sometimes pay their own travel costs for all those sorts of things. So what mentoring, I think, can offer is a low cost but really effective method of support and development for, for teachers. Yeah, and the fact that it uses conversation exchange, which is different than training, is really great for teachers and it also teaches them how to have you know constructive conversation with other peers how I can improve my skills by just speaking to other professionals in in the field and sometimes we often forget how to use that in a constructive way rather than just minimizing the efforts maybe of teachers yeah and I think that approach can also help in the institution of schools themselves it can create more balanced relationships within schools it can normalize those sorts of sharing behaviors and you know it might be peer observation within a school it may be uh, a more democratic way that the school is organized in the staff room those sorts of things and I think this kind of training model can certainly help with creating a more positive and democratic school environment as well. In this case, Maria just wanted to improve her 
presentation skills, but in other cases, it might be other things. And I think each individual is aware of their weaknesses. One great thing also about mentorship is that you choose and you customize your learning. What do you want to improve? And since you know more about yourself than others, then you can choose and then you can build on that. People are often afraid to really talk about their issues, their challenges, their problems that they have, because they fear they're going to be judged on it by the inspector. And this might link to their career advancement, their levels of pay, their status within a school, all these sorts of things. So I think there's often they don't feel like very safe spaces those training zones i think for people but with this approach people are encouraged to as you say where and focus on things they find challenging focus on the things they know they need to improve it's a much more honest relationship and it will lead to much better outcomes in the end yeah and if you want to know more about the mentor mentee program that chris mentioned you can go to evecalendar.wordpress.com And he also mentioned about the challenges sometimes faced by non-native teachers of English as well. And we'll be picking that issue up in episode nine. This field report, Chris actually went to the field. That's right. Yes. So I went to Sibiu in Romania, where I had the pleasure of spending half a day with a brilliant group there who share their ideas about teaching and do peer-led facilitation once a month. Teaching English with the British Council. Yeah, but I don't think that if you are extremely proficient, I think it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> proficient in English, it doesn't make you a good teacher. No, no. My name is Nicolina Reina, so everyone is calling me Nina for short, and I really enjoy this um, nickname. And I'm an English teacher in Sibiu. strategies that maybe can help us teach with limited resources which is something that we are all very familiar with right especially in context maybe in rural schools and try to see what how we can get the best out of this we feel safe we don't judge there are no right or wrong answers so there is a kind of, uh, it has been that developing a, a friendship between us. Very difficult time and teachers uh, started to uh, be very interested in how to face some challenges, not only with teaching English, but in cope with daily school life, let's say. Okay, wait here. There are the questions about teaching uh, resources. Mm-hmm. What textbook are you using? Is it a really hot topic about textbooks and resources? What challenges are you experiencing? What is going well? Do you consider yourself to be teaching in a context with limited resources? Mm-hmm. So discuss in your group. Or yeah, about these questions and then share us uh, some thoughts and ideas. Okay? You have 10 minutes for this task. 
So I'm using um, uh, two textbooks from Libra for um, fifth and uh, seventh grade, mm -hmm. and I, I found them really interesting mm -hmm. because I really like the popular structure mm -hmm. in terms of vocabulary and grammar and also the exercises that we have. We have kind of a lot of exercises to, mm -hmm. to use. I have two classes, A and B, uh, I cannot use the same materials for both classes. Yes. You you didn't teach them that, uh, okay. that unit from... Yes, apparently she's not. not no, no, it's not. But, yeah, but she pointed out that I, I, I uh, moved over that. Okay, I, I started my teaching career in uh, 2002 and uh, from the beginning <laughs> I gave up uh, to this textbook uh, in school. Well, in I started using, using the textbook and I always doing all the exercises and that was in my second year. Then I stopped. Oh my god, it's not yes. working. <laughs> it's so boring. If I told them exactly from the beginning uh, mm -hmm. what to do each of them, each group, of yeah. course. And I'm so glad that the pandemic rules are over and we can pair them and put them into groups. Bring I'm them so close. Happy. They like to work in groups. Yeah, yeah they, they, they missed this. Mm -hmm. They are motivated. Hi, my name is Andrea Jugar now. <laughs> I've just got married recently and I teach uh, in a rural school. So I have been a facilitator in this project since 2018. Well, I think this is a good model because uh, it takes place on a horizontal level, not vertical level, because we are all the same. Uh, we are not trainers, we are just facilitators and we talk from our experience and uh, especially from our mistakes so that maybe other people can learn something from them and we share experiences and good practices and I think that um, the entire atmosphere is really friendly so that it encourages uh, cooperation well, and we have here a community and I, I like this a lot. And number four, I also I looked up this term in the dictionary. Yeah. Does well, anyone know what the students get prompts from the teachers? Yeah, so they need the skeleton mm -hmm. on which a pattern or a template mm -hmm. on which they build the dialogue. Yeah, yeah so some guidelines, some uh, lines in a dialogue with uh, blank spaces there so that they can fill them. Mm -hmm. Okay? Uh, Yeah. Okay. And what about six? Affordances. Affordances. What was that? What did you understand from it? You told me the terms to notice the students' likes. The students' problems. Yeah. So it's to like identify them. Yeah. So it's like the next level of emergency. And um, we are lucky enough to have 
colleagues which are really interesting to improve themselves and to change something in their classes and only they can do that i can't uh, i can't uh, force them and uh, we, we discuss our problems our difficulties uh, when teaching something and and we ask ourselves what how, how you dealt with that problem Teaching English with the British Council. I think an increasing number of programs are starting to use mentorship. The great thing about mentorship is that it increases the confidence of teachers and it has this smooth way of transitioning teachers from the awareness stage of learning more into the integration stage of learning. I think a lot of teachers have the awareness, maybe the understanding sometimes, but they lack the techniques or the skills on how to engage and integrate. And mentorship proves to be great in that regard. Yeah, and what I saw there is that people were very honest in sharing their thoughts and their views with each other, not just their successes, but also their challenges in terms of implementation as well. And I think that sort of mentoring support peer-led model does that. I think one of the participants mentioned that sort of talking about the horizontal relationship that they have in the group rather than a sort of vertical top-down relationship. And I think that's a real key to its success. Yeah, and I think when you have been teaching for a long time, maybe years, so sometimes it's a bit chaotic, you know, to shake up their beliefs or what they're used to do in the class. And I think mentorship has this very, you know, smooth way of improving their learning. Definitely. And I think that's one of the things that was mentioned as well there. They said they were facilitators and not trainers. And I think just that choice of language really says a lot about the approach which is used within the sessions as well. It is that we're here to support each other. It's not that I know something and you need to know something, which certainly in a lot of top down, sometimes government-led training programs, inspectorate-type programs can feel to be the case. This was very much focused on the developmental aspects of teaching. Thank you for listening. And in our next episode, we will talk about what is English for specific purposes and how is it different from general English. Until then, goodbye. Teaching English with the British Council Series 2 is hosted by Wiam Hamdan and Chris Souten. The producer is Elizabeth Dyer. Executive producer, Chris Dyer. Salsan Abu Kara is the Arabic language consultant. So Chris went to the field and collected this report. Can you... I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> you went to a field. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think do it again, Wiam. Teaching English with the British Council.